You are tuning in to the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, or known as GEM. This is the Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition Upload. Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where there are three locations within the community and many more locations nationwide. Little Caesars Pizza is the largest carryout pizza chain internationally. Convenient, delicious, and cost-effective is a brief yet simple way to describe Little Caesars Pizza. You can order online through their user-friendly online pizza portal. Why wait any longer? Get on those phones, download the app, or get on your computer and make that order right now the game sports show and gem thanks little caesar's pizza in particular little caesar's pizza in sioux st Marie, ontario for its support booyah and it's time for the game sports show it is your host david mccake jr bringing you another special edition upload powered by the game entertainment and media and sponsored by little caesar's pizza now getting to the co-host joining yours truly here tonight he is a former professional hockey player of over 1,000 games and hockey analyst for the game entertainment and media known to be a speed demon on the ice he also has that trademarked clap bomb from the top of the circle brendan brooks brooksy how's it going pal it's going good uh, it's been a while since i heard that so it's uh, nice to, to know that the half clapper is still alive oh it's still trademarked and he's still <laughs> as we've said on at least a dozen shows that he still does it in men's league but he still can't burn around me in men's league i'm totally just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, let's get uh, getting to our little Caesars special edition guest. He is a former NHL goaltender drafted ninth round in 1992 NHL draft by the Quebec Nordiques. He won the Fred T. Hunt Memorial Award in the 1996-1997 season in the American Hockey League. In the 1991-1992 season in the WHL as a member of the Victoria Cougars, he set single-season records for most games by a goaltender with 71. Minutes played with 4,228 and most saves with 2,000. 562. He is a Memorial Cup champion in the 1993-1994 season with the Kamloops Blazers, with also being WHL Playoff MVP. He is an American Hockey League All-Star in the 1998-1999 season. He played 93 NHL games for the Edmonton Oilers, LA Kings, and Chicago Blackhawks, and played a total of 363 professional games between the IHL, East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League, the Dell, the SM Liga, Austria, Italy, and of course, the National Hockey League. He was born in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Steve Passmore. Steve, how's it going, and thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Well, thank you very much. I'll say your intro, uh, fuck, my career sounded way better than it really was. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it all in one breath. Well, yeah, I don't yeah think I, you, can tell, you can tell that too, because he just, like, I felt like there should have been a rapper behind him with a... A whip, a whip, a whip. <laughs> a few stutters there, but it's all right. You got through it. I did. You know what? I should have put some beats in there in the background. You know, maybe in the post uh, kind of thing. I'll add some little beats in the background there. No, just well, kidding. Well, oh, you know if you could, yeah, if you could edit in maybe a little bit of the stripper, like, hey, welcome to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good ad. I think we have to start doing that. So might have to throw that edit in there. You know what? Honestly, when I said that intro. Do you want me to, do you want me to just do it for you? Oh, you you can give me a full one for yourself. Right, you can just do the gentlemen. Welcome to the seas. Put down your drinks and grab your dates. The lovely, the talented Mercedes. <laughs> I love that. Now, we got our new intro guy now. There we go. Yeah, every time there's an intro, I think I'm just gonna get your voice on the recording. End of story. That that is. There you fun. go. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. Now, one thing I want to say, a couple post-opener topics, if you will, but holy shit, you played a lot of games. And when I said in that intro with Victoria, 71 games, that's a lot of minutes on the ice, a lot of saves that I mentioned, a lot of numbers I threw out, a lot of years I threw out inside that introduction. Holy crap. How the you're, you're, You must have been in an impeccable shape at that particular time, and you must have just literally started paying rent to be in the crease that much. Well, actually, it's pretty funny. So there are uh, there are a couple things that I am proud of. of that is, there, those are three records that I can honestly say will never be broken. Um, nope. <laughs> so I played seventy one out of seventy two games. Oh uh, we were the shittiest team in the league, so the saves uh, will never be broken because I averaged fifty five shots a game against. Oh. Uh, and the minutes played, and the fact that they don't play 72 games anymore kind of locks in that uh, nobody can play 71. Yeah, that's uh, that. That is so many games. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's you know what? It's funny because I, I you said I was in great shape. What a better than now. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, I was uh, actually when we went on our Eastern swing there in the middle of that whole thing, we played uh, nine games in 11 nights and I lost 12 pounds in that uh, nine games and I never gained it back. I ended the season. I was 152 pounds, I think. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of games. It was a lot of fun. But I think uh, overall, I think it made me a better, uh, better goalie and and definitely prepared me for uh, what a shit show the pro career was going to be after that. Oh, you know what? Honestly, like that record, as you said, will never be broken. And if anyone breaks that record somehow, in some way, you can almost say it's almost like a Wayne Gretzky record. You know, it's never going to be touched. As much as Gretzky will say that, you know what, my goals may get passed or whatever. And I think one time in an interview, he says one day someone will pass his points. There's no fucking chance. Okay, there, there, there's nobody that's touching your record either, Steve. So you know what? You are in the likes and the company of Wayne Gretzky. That's what. We're hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think our careers had a similar path too. I like that. <laughs> now, the one main thing I want to jump into in the post opener, and I wanted to get into this right off the hop with yourself. Uh, you and I got in touch with social media, and I know currently uh, you're not currently still playing hockey. Obviously, you uh, are doing something after hockey. So I want to get. Uh, you the opportunity to have the stage, if you will, since you we already said uh, that you had the stage there, and we already brought Mercedes on the stage, and there you can go join Mercedes on the stage as at this point now. Talking about what you do out now that the game that you've ended playing hockey and that now you're in the workforce, if you will, talk about your current position, and I want to promote what you're doing right now. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I'm a financial advisor uh, with Sun Life. So, uh, you know, my career went from, uh, you know, I, I, I had what I, I considered a decently lengthy career. And then I, I got to go and uh, have an, a second career helping other people manage money. I wish the way somebody would have helped me when I was actually making it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of tr- the transition and uh, started making a business because I decided I don't work well for other people. So I better start my own company. <laughs> I like that. You know, you brought up a good point there. It's something you didn't teach. And I've always said this, and this is outside of hockey, but I was saying that's always something that they should be teaching everyone at a young age is how to save your money, how to spend your money, what to do with your money. I know myself, I could have 
significantly benefited from that, especially in my early 20s, you know, thinking to go see every professional hockey game and sports game was the coolest thing going and swiping the visa card down uh, on the on the credit machine, thinking that was absolutely the way to go. Uh, But, you know, I think it's such a big point that you brought up there that financial side is such a big need. And it's great that you're currently doing that outside of playing hockey now. Well, and I'm actually trying to uh, help as many junior players as I can now. Um, and it's, it's not through financial gain of my own or through agents or anything like that. Literally just trying to give talks to go out there and just talk to the, the junior players, letting them know sort of the landmines that are out there, letting them know that uh, everybody that comes to talk to you doesn't always have your best interest at heart. Um, you know, there's a lot of, lot, lot of hanger honors out there and, uh, you know, to be wary. Um, I still remember when I when I got my agent who who actually subsequently just passed away recently. Um, Art Breeze, bless his soul, uh, who just passed away. I remember when I first signed with him, he said that I could use his financial advisor for an extra one percent. And now that I actually know how financial advisors get paid, that guy was an idiot. Yeah, (laughs) he should have have been going to the agent and going, listen, I will help everybody you have and I will do it for free. And he would have had absolutely every hockey player that Art had sign up with him and be a a lifelong um, client instead of trying to be greedy. That's extra millions right there. Extra millions, millions right there. He lost a shit ton because he's a moron. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's the whole world. Like, I think that's where we're more educated in modern society with it because what is when you're at that point yeah you want that extra percent you want the money no the way they've taken it free is the way to go because the networking opportunity that you get with those respective clients that you're working with like yourself an up-and-coming hockey player uh, and then you have friends that are in the sport you have they have friends that are in the sport though all of a sudden uh their uncle needs a financial advisor where they'll actually you know get involved and where they that's where you can start making money is those through those networking opportunities that is the biggest and and what i have learned obviously as i go forward in in my career is uh now is you know it's all about relationships and everything like that and at the time uh my career was going so well at hockey i was making thirty thousand dollars a year my my agent was taking three percent so to give another percent when you're making nothing Mm -hmm. um I was like, now nah, I'll manage my own 20 grand. Like, I, I think I've got this in the bag. When realistically, you know, you, I, I went on to, to eventually make a little bit more than that. And it, I, I just think it, it was very short sighted. Uh, and I really wish that uh, Art had, had actually uh, aligned with somebody different, to be quite honest. No, that's a very good point. But you know what? Right now, you being a financial advisor at Sun Life, uh, definitely doing a, a job that is rewarding in a sense because you're able to assist individuals with their financial future and educate them, which is such a big part, especially during everything that's happened in the world recently uh, with avoiding to say the the word of what it is. There's something going on out there right now? Yeah, <laughs> some sort of pandemic of sorts has really shut down the world since some sort of 2019, 2020 beginning. So, you know, and it's really important, especially being a, a business owner, a house owner, 
There's all the little things in life that are very important to keep an eye on. And Brooks, you're a former professional hockey player. You know, you've made your money out over Europe. Let's call it the way it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're always finding ways to save money. It's always great to be able to go buy what you want, do what you want. But to be able to keep that lifestyle up, you got to be smart with your money. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The best thing I did was got injured in Germany in the, when I was playing in the DEL. They got the best coverage in the world. Uh, you know, so it uh, it was a great place to get injured. And uh, that was my financial uh, savior there at the end of the day. <laughs> I like that. How'd you do in your career? Well, I got injured in the right place. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. My timing was impeccable. Well, dude, Bro- Brooksy, I'm actually I'm actually looking at your uh, hockey DB right now, <laughs> and I uh, um, for for one I had to you know you know it's quite the hockey DB when you have to scroll. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, yes. Twenty two years. Twenty two years on there. <laughs> no, le- legit. You might be one of very few people that I can say have a longer DB than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I that's that's not a tip of the cap to either one of our careers. No. I like to say other teams always wanted me instead yeah. of the team wanting to get rid of me. Love that. Yeah, exactly. But, but well, dude, my, that's, yeah. that's, that's, well, that's mine cool. was I actually loved go, unless I was on an NHL contract. I was fortunate enough. I was on an NHL deal for six years. But if I wasn't, I loved moving to new teams. I don't know what it was. I wanted to go to a new spot all the time, especially it's when perfect. I was playing in the minors. I wanted to go somewhere new all the time and uh, check out the city. I, I, you know, I mean, I didn't have a family. I was young. I started pro. I think I was 18 turning 19, my first year pro. And uh, so, you know what I mean? I, I had no ties. I just wanted to play hockey. And, uh, you know, I, I had uh, people like Bruce Brudro who we were talking about off the air and, uh, you know, who can guide, guided me into helping me move to, uh, move on up uh, the legs to start making some money and uh, getting more security. And then uh, it was, it was just a a great way to to move around and see the world. Oh, absolutely. It looks like you moved up sideways, lateral. Oh yeah. You name Uh, it. I did it. If there was a a direction you went. That's right. (laughs) The big thing is too, you brought up the scroll down, but Steve, your hockey DP DB page, you have, they had to make the font smaller. (laughs) I know. I, I know. It's, it's not short. Don't kid no, yourself. It's not short. That's the best part. That's the funny thing. You know, Brooksy's got a long one too, but it's like he has time to Roman. I did stay 12, in normal right? font. That's the difference. Yeah, time to Roman 12 where Steve's at Calibri size font 10. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's a slight or if that's a – I don't take that as a pat on the back there. No, I, it is definitely a pat on the back. I like that the way. It's definitely amazing. That's a great topic overall to jump into. We talked about your uh, what you're doing now and obviously going back and forth and learning the scroll through HockeyDB and Brooksy's page, which is bookmarked on the Game Entertainment and Media's homepage. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, nonetheless, Steve, you know, you get into, uh, getting to something in your life that uh, we want to jump off the hop right away. And, of course, that uh, we wanted you to get into detail with, of course, if you're comfortable doing so. Uh, you know, one thing we joked about off air was, yours truly doing research in particular certain things and one thing that i was amazed in your ho- and overall with your hockey career despite the size 10 uh, font on your hockey dp page <laughs> well uh you know we talked about uh you know one big like off air we talked about the research and what i'm attaining to with that is uh, you had the you were diagnosed with heavy metal poisoning 
Now, that that caused a little bit of a, let's say, little bit, quote-unquote, it's a career-threatening injury, a road bump in your career, speed bump, if you will, sorry. And I wanted you to educate the listeners on what this may be because maybe some listeners are, are not familiar with what this is, as well as, you know, how how that all was going through for you. Like, it must have been absolutely scary for yourself and just your family overall. Well, strap in, fuckers. It's a bumpy ride. <laughs> no, no it, I, you know what? I can make light of it now. Um, but, yeah, I was uh, it, saying that diagnosed with heavy metal uh, poisoning, that that was actually the fun part um, because it was the years before that where they didn't know what the hell was wrong uh, mm-hmm. was the issue. Um, I guess it started um, the first year I got traded to Kamloops. Uh, we went into into playoffs and I, en- I ended up getting mono and uh, missed uh, a few days with mono and lost a shit ton of weight and I guess it kicked my immune system pretty good and so the next year I started battling with muscle cramping problems and it didn't you know it never took me out of a game it was just kind of something that uh, was always there but never really thought anything of it then I went into my we won the Memorial Cup just to put that out there I just like to say that that my last year that we won it not a big deal um, it's no big deal but I, I don't know if my, I got a name on a trophy and I got a ring so nah yeah uh, <laughs> Just like throwing that out there. Yeah, pretty decent. Pretty decent. It was all right. Um, but and then my first year of pro, it just started happening. I actually, you know, I would battle through, and there were games that I just I couldn't make it through. I would go down and in, in a you know to make a save, and all of a sudden my quad would cramp up, and literally my trainer could come out, he couldn't bend it, and uh, so I'd get pulled out of the game and. You know, everybody and their dog was trying to figure out what was wrong and everybody had their theories. And um, yeah, I spent the next uh, probably year and a half just being a lab rat, um, going from city to city, uh, down to the Mayo Clinic in in uh, Minnesota there where they told me, well, it sucks to be you. It's just genetics. Um you know, everybody, I, I got tested. They thought it was Lou Gehrig's disease. They, I mean, you talk about the gamut. When you're going in for a muscle biopsy in Edmonton, they're cutting into your leg, and the guy's like, oh, it might be Lou Gehrig's disease. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't sound good. No. Like, I, you know, never mind putting your career on hold. It, that didn't sound good for long term. Yep. Um, so, actually, you know, you go through the highs and the lows and the ups and downs, and all you've thought about since you were three years old was playing pro hockey and now when it's just looking like that's going to start it you know somebody's throwing a roadblock um yeah it's uh we went from there to uh a quack in edmonton when i say a quack i mean this guy wasn't a doctor he was a friend of sather's and he was actually doing tests on um on serial killers in the prison there And he thought, well, maybe he's got heavy metal poisoning. And so just on a flyer, they did tests on me. And uh, sure enough, that's what I had. Uh, I was off the charts in copper, arsenic, manganese, and antimony. Uh, I had no lithium and no calcium. And uh, I I found out later when they were doing the tests on me, they thought I was already dead. 
So, um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I know it's funny now, but oh, yeah. those are all were, things you need to be an athlete. <laughs> yeah, right. about it. <laughs> you know what they think about when you see heavy metal poison, I was thinking you listen to much Metallica or ACDC or something oh, and it kind of too, but don't worry i heard that joke so yeah many times. i know that's yeah, not yeah. the first time you've heard that one no like, you know what sound effect we can use in the background there that went 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 song uh sound sound fact after my little comment there with that but you know what <laughs> you battled back though in your career i know we're going to kind of go all over the place it's kind of what we're really known for we go all over the place with our agenda quote unquote but to say that you came back and made an impact in a way is is definitely you know not just is not enough of a term to say. You were nominated for the Bill Masterton Trophy in 2000 while you were with the Hawks when you're battling with this, and you know you battled back in your career overall. We could sit here and make the jokes about okay, well your hockey DB page needs a size 10 font again, and they kind of it's a bigger list, but there was time where you weren't able to fully play and you were probably definitely it was a career threatening injury so you were worried not only about your career even you even your life it depends if you heard about Lou Gehrig's and then you find out heavy metal poisoning but overall you go back and in 2000 you get nominated for that award you were in Chicago you had a very good year that well that year in Chicago as well uh overall so like honestly just Talk us through that, the battle backstage after the, and the recovery stage of all that before, uh, prior to leading up to the, being nominated for that award. Um, well, you know what, the, what it came down to is I went to, um, I went to camp. So the, the next year when I was a lab rat, I played a grand total of uh, parts of two games. And if you look, my goals against average was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> um, I think I had a one, three, three goals against average. Uh, I was on course to win the Vesna in the minors. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, I went to, so we spent the rest of the year trying to figure out what, what was wrong. I went to camp the next year and, and I basically failed the medical cause I cramped up while doing the medical mm. and Edmonton said, well, uh, that's it. Uh, we suggest you retire. Like we've spent enough money. We can't figure out why you're fucked up. And so they told me to retire. They suspended me without pay and essentially just sent me home to, to go cry in the teapot, teapot there. And, um, so actually with, with the help of my family and I do give them a, a, probably my mom, most of all give the credit to is uh, I was ready to retire and throw it in. And she's like, well, let's give it one more shot. And I had a, a doctor who's since passed away. He from Calgary, he actually called me and he's like, I can cure you in six months. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I've heard that before. I'm like, I'll give you three. I said, because I got to do my testing on January 4th in Edmonton to see if I start getting paid again. And uh, he's like, deal. So I actually packed up everything. I moved to Calgary. Uh, I worked two different bars there as a bartender and a bouncer uh glenn's pleasure bar nope wasn't a strip club can't make that name up <laughs> it was on 17th but was not a strip club and uh the county line which if anybody knows anything about calgary that is like the bronx of calgary and at, okay. at five nine 175 pounds i'm bartending and bouncing there <laughs> and i worked there uh, 31 days straight, open to close. I would start work at 9:30. I would get home at 3:30. Wow! The mo- in the, the next morning, and I worked 31 days straight because I wasn't getting a paycheck. 
and uh, was trying to get back to pro hockey. And uh, you know what? It was funny because I showed up January 4th to Edmonton and passed my physical because I didn't cramp up. I'd been doing treatment the whole time I was in Calgary. And I still remember the trainer coming. He's like, yeah, but can you play? He goes, like, can you make it through a game? Like, I don't give a fuck. You can start paying me now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that that wasn't uh, under insurance. Is it just because they couldn't figure it out? Who's insurance? Were you because yeah, well, well before like so your contract was out though. before? Yeah, uh, true. But they can't they can't name it, so you can't insure something you can't name. Right, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Right, like it. So, but they couldn't also. It wasn't an illness because they didn't know they didn't know what it was. Like I had people, they're like, "Oh, you're just nervous." I'm like, "Fuck, you ever seen me on the ice? I'm singing, dancing. I'm not nervous." Right. Um, now you're not a nervous individual. That's, that's no, <laughs> they, and, and so actually it was funny. They sent me down, um, down to the East coast league down in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's the only two games I've played in the coast. And, uh, I hadn't practiced. I hadn't, I hadn't been on skates in a, almost a year and I got one pregame skate. They told me I'm playing that night and, uh, I got lit up for six in that game. And, but I made it through the game. And then the next night we played in Charlotte for the, against the checkers. And, uh, I got lit up for seven and after, so I got a 6.5 goals against average in the East coast league. And the, the GM comes in and he's like, Passy, you got called up to the A. <laughs> and you could, like, nobody knew anything on the, this team, like what the hell. And they're just looking at me. They're like, this guy's fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> and so it's so funny because I look around the guys. I'm like, see, guys, you've been doing it wrong the whole time. Shit the bed, play terrible, you get called up. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying too hard. Guys are trying well, too hard to get called up. It was fun because, honestly, like, I couldn't stop a puck. I didn't know how to move. I hadn't been on skates in forever. And, and yeah, and then they throw you in the East Coast League after a pregame skate. And, uh, yeah, and then I got called back up to the A, and we went to the uh, – we made it to the finals that year um, against Hershey in the A. Wow. And that was with Hamilton, right? I think that was with Hamilton. Was that, that was in yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. yeah so yeah. You, had, you had some good numbers when you went up there afterwards, too. So it's like, you know, it's – it's 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 un it's unbelievable that you're able to persevere that way and then like you went and you did it but that's your personality too that I can tell you know you obviously didn't want to quit and you worked your fucking ass off being a bartender for more than 12 <laughs> hours a day 20 hours a day essentially and you know you you had to do what you had to do and despite all that you worked hard and that's the old cliche that you know when you work hard good things good things happen to those who wait or good things happen to good people whatever the the phrase that you want to use you were able to come back battle back have such a good season the american hockey league you got a chance up with the oilers i know we're going to kind of jump into your future and to talk about uh, more time with jihad with the oilers hawks and kings etc uh, but yep. overall before you, you went up into there uh you, you definitely had to work your ass off to get to that point. But Brooks, I'm going to go over to you. Yeah, no, I just want to say, you know, you said you were bartending. Uh, obviously, is that where you weren't learned to scrap? You know, you said you were in a tough neighborhood. And uh, is that where it all began? Because uh, I, know where this is I recently I recently watched a fight uh, of you and Dan Cloutier. 
And uh, you guys went at it. And from what I hear, I did a little research, as you say. And uh, apparently this is something that started in the AHL, you know. Yeah, because uh, he was a pussy. <laughs> and he was a lot bigger than fight, you. He wouldn't. I don't give a shit. He <laughs> wouldn't fight me the year before. I skated all the way down the ice to fight him because I heard he was tough. And I skated all the way down the ice to fight him because there's a line brawl. And he's he's sick. The lines have been on me. He's like, oh, get him, get him. Don't let him come near me. And I was like, are you shitting me? You'll probably kill me. But he so then that he was we were in Chicago that the game. I think I know the clip you're talking about. And uh, we were actually we were winning three one. There was a bit of a skirmish, and he looks at me, and he shakes his thumbs. He's like, you want to go? I'm like, shit, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> About time. You've About been time. <laughs> yeah, so we, we squared off. Uh, you know, I gotta, I'm going to say he probably won. Um, but then he – and he suckered me at the end when the linesman came together, and he gave me a shot at the end. So he gets kicked out, and I remember the linesman shoving me towards the bench. He's like, you're out of here. I'm like, nope, we were the only fucking fight. Like we were it. There was no other fight going on. I'm like, I put my gloves back on and I go back in net. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up getting first star that game and we won three one. Suck on that, Cluche. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I think his career might have been a little better and his fighting record too. But honestly, I forgot that he was over six feet. You know what? Honestly, you being a small guy, that means not that you're small, you're small, but my obviously your your bartending days uh, worked. Oh, yeah, for your yeah I'm, a, I'm a gamer. I, well, if you look in Victoria, the the year before I I had 95 pims. I had five fighting majors that year. Well, I was going to ask you, was that your first one, or did you have many more before that? And obviously, oh no, uh, I got my ass kicked. It. Oh no, I got my <laughs> ass kicked by Garth Snow. Um, <laughs> Who else? There was Steve Shields. Oh. Uh, Brett Brett Myers tried to go me. Um, Steve Shields was a six foot something big guy too. I think it was like so a six Gar- foot. So is Garth Snow. Look it up. Yeah, Garth Snow's a big guy, obviously for sure. My That's God. another YouTube clip you can you can watch those. Then I had I grabbed there was a line brawl in San Jose and I grabbed Cryoluck and he was some Russian kid. I didn't know shit about him. And I, you know, I thought, uh, so I got my arm loose We're it's a line brawl. I took him and I got my arm loose and I'm like, you want to go, you want to go. And the kid's looking at me and he's, he's not giving me, and I don't want to just hit him. He's a Russian guy. I don't think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I got my arm loose and I'm thinking I can take this guy and no, no, no. And he's smiling. And I'm like, fuck, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and then we get broken up. And he grabs one of my D-men and just beats the shit out of him. Oh. And I'm like, ooh, that was probably a good thing he decided not to go me. It wouldn't have ended well for me. <laughs> See, it's too bad, like, because uh, I know he well, he retired in 98, 99 when he was with Philly. It's too bad he didn't have a goal with Ron Hextall. Yeah, but he got his ass kicked by plot fans. So. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he was just a great <laughs> flasher. He was really good at slashing guys. That's what I remember. Yeah, he looked good. I think when the mitts dropped, I don't think he ended up all that well. And I think I got a lot more fights under my belt than he does. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, being in a fight as a goaltender, go through us that mindset. Because when you're a player, Brooksy and I played, Brooksy played a lot 
further than I did per se, you know, I, but you still not got, per se. We <laughs> did. <laughs> did. <laughs> you have dancing videos on YouTube to prove it with your goal songs. It's awesome. But nonetheless, Brooksy was actually known as a little Bruce Lee when he played. He was able to speed, speed demon. He fought. He scored goals. Myself, I avoided hits and wish I would have fought more now because now I have more of a dad. Well, now you realize it doesn't hurt. No, it does. You know, I got more more uh, weight on the front end, if you know what I'm saying, and I mean by the belly, just so everyone can be clear with that. Get your minds out of the gutter. But nonetheless, it's when you're in a fight as a player, it's a lot easier than it would be, as I'm predicting anyways, because last time I played goalie was a novice major, okay, for Burger King here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. So nonetheless, being a fight as a goaltender, talk us through that mindset. you got the heavy chest protector on. It's a, you got your pads on, your goalie skates. It's a complete different realm. Like, or, or, or is it? Like, have you had the opportunity just to fight, like, outside of goalie gear? Is there – what's the mindset overall from being just a goalie in a fight and how much harder – do you think that it is to be a goalie than it is to fight as a player? I think it's probably a little more tiring. Um, But overall, I always wore really loose stuff. So if I gave my right arm a shake, I could get out of my upper gear pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And actually that's what happened against me and Garth Snow is it was my first game up with Edmonton and uh, it was, it was in preseason and I was shitting the bed having a terrible game. And I thought, well, in preseason, if one fight, you're out. So I challenged him. He apparently wanted the night off, too. And so I went to shake out of my arm, and I end up chicken-winging myself. And I'm caught in my jersey, and I needed every advantage I can against that big guy. And, yeah, it just – he kind of threw me around like a rag doll on the end of his arm. But overall, as a goalie, I don't know. It's the same as anybody. Try and hit them and not get hit. Yeah. You can see it'd be a lot tougher. There's a lot of goalies that have dropped the mitts that we've seen over the careers like Coffin, Hextall, obviously yourself, Kluche, uh Ray Emery. God bless Ray Emery, of course. You know, like there's a there there it's certainly more exciting to watch a goaltender fight, and the reason why is because it's something that's not seen really. Exactly. Yet. The fight right. isn't any better. Don't kid yourself. It's just more fun to watch. It's cooler, right? They go one goalie skates to the red line, the other one's looking at them, then they go with the meet at center ice. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's like a it's a circus sideshow for sure. <laughs> I like that. Now you know what? One thing I want to kind of backtrack to because I know, as I said, back and forth, I want to go rewind a little bit here to the junior hockey. Now you mentioned already you're a Memorial Cup champion with Cam Loops. Your team was quite fucking solid okay like obviously yourself we were okay yeah you can <laughs> like yourself as i mentioned darcy tucker uh shane doan who was 16 at the at the time shane doan was jerome mcginla who i believe was also 16 at the time uh nolan Baumgartner, brad lukowicz and the list goes on and on now describe this experience winning the memorial cup uh, overall okay which we've already said is pretty decent, not too bad not a big deal whatever term you want to use Okay, but also besides that, being in the room full of this talent, or did you know that this room had that much talent when you were in it at that point, that these guys are going to be superstars in their career? I I don't know that we knew that. Um, it, it was funny. So I, I got traded there from Victoria. Like I said, we were the shits. Um, and you get traded to Kamloops, and it was just the attitude in the room um, where – in, in Victoria, you went in, when you're on a bad team, you go into a game and go, fuck, let's keep it close and we might, you know, we might eke one out. Whereas when, when I went to, to Kamloops, it was just, okay, we're going to win. We don't know how, but it, we'll, we'll just win. Like, 
you're going into the third down too, and you're like, you weren't you weren't panicked, you weren't worried about, you didn't know how it was going to happen, but you knew at the end of the night you were probably going to win, and you were more surprised when you didn't win than than when you didn't, right? Like like you were just you just went into the game nonchalant. There was no no pressure. You had good players and good leaders. One of the biggest leaders we had was Don Hay. Mm. I mean, winning as coach in CHL history um, for a fucking reason. He, uh, he just, he, you know what? He was a father figure. He was a mentor. He was hard on you when you needed him to be hard on you. Um, and you blindly followed him in junior. The one thing I will say in junior, if you're a coach, um, there's certain coaches that are really good in junior and don't quite make the, the, the transition. And I think the biggest thing is, is like Hazer was the father figure. It, he could come into my office tomorrow and, and he and I are good friends, but he could tell me to go through the wall and I'm like, okay, well, Hazer's telling me to do it. So it's probably going to be good for me. <laughs> right? Like you, it was yeah. just, you didn't question it. He said, do this. And you're like, okay. And in the end, if everybody bought in, it was going to end up well for you. And that was that was one of the things. Uh, we had a team we believed could win. Um, Portland was actually supposed to win that year, not us. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, if you go look back in the in the, talk about research, go look and look at our brawl in uh, in the playoffs there in Portland that year, and we had full on glass breaking between uh between the benches uh brawling it was it was hilarious i mean that doesn't happen the now. good old days the good old the, days that, right I, the good I old know. days well i remember in junior one time i ended up we had uh, ended up getting into it with the fans and i remember skating off the bench straight into uh the boards and climb the glass i remember yep. doing that like those things don't happen anymore <laughs> and then the no, fans were, were trying to push our bus over when I was down there. I remember this. It was crazy. And the, our coach at the time's like, everybody off the bus. And we ended up having a Donnybrook with the fans. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> this, you can't, there was no rules. There was no rules. No, you can't do anything like that anymore. No, but back, but back then, you know, we had such a tight team. And it's funny, you talk about fighting and this and that. And everybody's got their for and against it and whatever. That's fine. But we had more practice fights that year than I've ever seen. But we were the tightest team I've ever been a part of through however many slides you go down on my, my DB. But we were the tightest team ever. And I think that's why we competed. We pushed each other so hard to be better. And we just weren't going to take losing for, uh, you know, f- there was going to be no excuse. Yeah, I found the best teams were always that I that I had uh, personally played on were the teams where you had lots of fights. You competed in practice. Everything was a game or a or a challenge or it was a or, battle. Uh, it was a battle all the time. And uh, you know what? It, it's amazing how they always say, you know, practice hard. It's amazing when you practice like that how much easier the game becomes and it carries over so much better than oh, uh, yeah. when you're not. We, we, we used to laugh because we'd, uh, you know, we'd have PPPK practice and we'd be, you know, the PK. And like you said, we had some, some names on there that went on to have some pretty decent careers and you'd have the slugs out there and me and we're on the penalty kill and 
we'd shut them down and we're hooping and hollering. We're in their face. Like you guys are the shit. Why don't you put in an effort? And it was just absolutely everything was always a competition. And you'd go, you know, you'd go have a soda afterwards or whatever, and you were great friends and you might be roommates, but on the ice, it was, it was, fuck you. We're going to beat you. See, if I'm looking at this, right, I'm kind of, I, without uh, spoiling anything, because I want listeners to look at this. I've, while we were talking, I did try doing the research while we're on here and there, the brawl that you guys had, there's multiple clips. There's even a penalty <laughs> box fight between Chris Murray and Mike Williamson. If that is correct, I think that's, the Oh yeah. That like, and it's an 18 second clip only, but <laughs> like they got like for the footage for what they got it for was, is pretty, pretty good. Like everything in here in this brawl that like, what do you, can you tell the listeners what started this brawl? Do you remember what started it? I think it was Brad Lukowicz grabbed Lonnie Bahanas. I think so. You're, you're like, you're talking, I've got to try and remember this cause I'm not looking at the clip. I'm not cheating here. I'm going to say I'm going to say Brad Lukowicz grabbed Lonnie Bahanas and fucking pumped him a couple times and then it was just game on and they had some big big boys on their squad like they've got Deadmarsh they've got yeah. Williamson um I don't think Johnny Baduke was there at that time um but they had some they had some big big men um and I remember who did I grab Scotty Nickel and I was getting ready to pump him. And then somebody grabbed me from their bench and they just look at me and it was, oh, I'm trying to think of who it was. He just looks at me. He's like, I wouldn't do that. I'm like, oh, shit. Good point. <laughs> they, had a, they had a lot of like guys like that. They had. Uh, but they had some good stars on team too. But they also had uh, Dave Scatchard was a bigger guy on that team as well. Uh, and yes, I'm cheating. Look at Hockey DB, but this this is a team that was quite talented. And I know that year Lonnie uh, Berhanos, I I probably butchered saying the last day, but there's a you guy. Did. I did. They're 152 points. Standard. Yeah, uh, literally. And overall, just you said big team too. There's Brad Isbister was on that team. Another that's another big lad. Yeah. Matt Davidson, I remember that name as well. He's a former Sabres pick. Uh, like there's there's a guy. They did have quite the big team. And kind of looking back around, I think there was a time that Darcy Tucker got hit from behind by Adam Deadmarsh or something. Was that the same time too? Well, that whole, but that whole series, um, like I remember that whole series, I went down, it started in our barn first, first puck drop, first face off. They dump the puck in. I go around, I stop the puck. I come back out and I got hit at the goal line and my shoulder blades hit the boards. And I was just like, holy fuck, I guess the series is starting. And it was, and it just went like that. It was nonstop the whole time. And they were, they were touted to win that year. And, uh, and we really upset them. If you, if you came back and looked at it, we upset them. Yeah. And you know, Tucker was their captain that year too, if I remember correctly, I think, right. Was that the year he was the captain or was he the captain? No, no. It, our captain was Jared Dooley. Okay, okay, there we go. A little correction for your yeah. He the, was the uh, captain the year after, I think, then, right? He Is was. That, I'll give you that. He was the captain the year after. after. Yeah. Not, okay, there Dave's we go. our stat guy there. He's our, he's our <laughs> sur- researcher stat guy. <laughs> we, yeah, you yeah. might want to get another one. <laughs> I know. I'm, str- I'm starting to think this. 
Love um, that. Brooksy, you're obviously, you're... well, this was 25 years ago. Obviously, it's a long time when you were uh, playing junior. But uh, do you remember, was there uh, a story or a memory you have uh, that, you know, from the dressing room from back then that you might have to share? You know, you have a lot of great personalities in there. I was just curious <laughs> if there was something, a quick story that might have stood out for you. Uh, well, one for me personally, uh, like I, I played in the June in, in the WHL since the time I was 15. Uh, I was actually, I started playing before I was allowed to play. Um, and I remember I got sent back from my 20, I got sent back for my 20 year old year. And I was, I was a little pissed. I thought I was, I thought I was done with junior. I thought I was ready to move on, uh, to go play pro and, I got sent back and I remember we had a team meeting uh, right after I got back. I'd probably been back a couple weeks and uh, the, the Memorial Cup that year was in Laval. And I remember we're all having the meeting and, and Hazers kind of said his bit. And, and I just remember standing up in front of the boys and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm like, I'm fucking going to Laval this year. I'm like, I don't care why I don't care how i don't know how but i'm like i'm going if you guys want to go join me but i'm gonna go (laughs) so let's fucking go as a team and it was just from that time on and i'm not saying it spurred us it was just kind of but that's the attitude we all had was like fuck it let's go win it yeah well something like that will fire you up you know what i mean just hearing it i can picture myself just sitting in the room and just having you stand up and just do that and it, it kind of like just, you know, carries on. And, you know, the fact that you guys were able to, you know, keep that momentum all the way through, you know, right from making that statement. And uh, that's pretty amazing. Well, we won. If you look back and I think it carried over from the 92, 93 season, we won. I I'm, I'm don't quote don't quote me on this, but you can quote me on this. I think we won <laughs> 33 games. Uh, in a row, we didn't no, not win. Sorry, we didn't lose 33 games straight at home, wow. and not just right. Like that's that's stupid. No, you, yeah, that's, you guys' record was pretty key. I think it was 50 and 16 and six. I know that. I had that kind of. I had that written down. And the big that 50 win season in junior, especially you know overall in any NHL, whatever league it may be in, that's that's just impressive overall. It's yeah, it's 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 not bad for sure. And then, you know, for I I give a lot of credit actually that year to Rod Branch, who actually was my backup, um, because I I got in. I blew my knee out that year uh, in the middle of the season. And so I only ended up playing 36 of those games. And uh, so he played quite a few to get us there and kind of carry the momentum uh, till I could get back and start playing in playoffs again. Yeah, you know, you guys had a def- when you have a backup goalie like that that can come into and just be reliable as such. That's such a big relief to the coaching staff and just the team, right? And just everything seemed obviously to click that year. So the last thing that I'll ask you with this, probably transition to your draft and NHL, etc., was do you remember like obviously winning the Memorial Cup, you had a chance to touch the trophy. Do you remember who gave you the trophy and then who you gave it to after that? I like asking people that. Oh shit! <laughs> oh. I can't research that. That's un, that's not researchable. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to say I probably got it from Jarrett Dooling. Okay. 
Um, cause I was the old fucker, right. I'd been around forever. I couldn't wear, I couldn't wear a letter, but, uh, but, but I was old. Um, you were the overage of that year, right? That the over- yeah, they was, it was my overage year. Yeah. I think I got it from Jared Dooling and I'm going to say, I probably gave it to Scott Ferguson. Okay. Okay. So can, leadership by committee, right? You're going to, you got to give it to the. This, the the leadership of the team or the senior quote unquote of the team right the old that, guy you got to give well, it to the old, he, old he guy he was he yeah he was not only another old guy like he was in OA that year as well he was also my roommate he was also our assistant captain and he's also the most fun my favorite defenseman ever to play with ever was Scott Ferguson so I gave it to him I think <laughs> that's hilarious love that now you know that that is overall fantastic winning but besides winning the Memorial cup before that even in between or in between all that i should say is draft day for you right you get the call from quebec that you get drafted and we've had some funny draft stories on this show it goes from trevor gillies i think terry ryan maybe still has the lead in terms of draft day stories mike zigamanis had a very good one as well you know like it seems like when you're <laughs> gonna go in you meet with different players and their different teams or coaches they always have a weird strategy or something that's always an imprinted mind but overall when you got drafted by quebec you know what was your reaction your excitement overall and do you have any particular draft stories yourself or was yours a little bit of a different experience. Oh, fuck, dude. Mine's funny as shit. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> oh, game No on. pressure. No pressure. I love it. Love it. No, you didn't oh, You didn't no. do a Lindros, though. You, you didn't no, do a Lindros. No, no. Uh, but, so, so that's it. You know what I love about the fact is the fact that you look at my draft and you go, fuck, ninth round, 196th overall. I bet you he was sitting with his buddies, getting a little drunk and waiting for a phone call. Yeah, for sure. That's actually what I was thinking, golfing or swimming, you know, maybe watch a movie. Who knows? Absolutely. So you know where I was? Where? Montreal Forum, because I was at the draft. Oh. Oh, yeah, it fucking gets more embarrassing. Don't worry about that. (laughs) It was – so my agent, Art, God bless him, whatever, uh, he he had told me – so I had – I had a bunch of teams tell me that I was one of their top three picks. Like I was going in the top three rounds, um, probably had five teams say I was going in the top three rounds. So my agent tells me, yep, you, your family, fuck everybody come out to Montreal. And I don't know if you remember my draft year, but that's the invasion of Russia, right? That was five years old. Not going to, no, it was a what year. Holy crap. I can't do my math. I was only one years old. Oh my God. Can't do math. I was in 92. That was, I'm a 91. So that <laughs> I was just a little pup. He's a young pup. He's not like us. <laughs> wow. That hurts. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, so in the 92 draft was the, inva- the Russian invasion. So that was the year that they panicked and they just took every Russian ever. Right. It didn't matter if they played a game. It didn't matter. They took it. So I was being told by my my agent that I was going to go in the first three rounds. I go to I go to Montreal. I go with my family, everything like that. I've got all the meetings beforehand. So the the night before the draft, um, I actually have a meeting with San Jose and their head scout takes me aside and, and he's like, "Okay, hey, you're our second round pick. And I'm like, holy fuck, all right, great. This is, you know, things are going the way it was supposed to. Second round, I'm happy with that. I'm good. 
Um, so we go to Montreal Forum. We're all sitting there, and all the the big wheels are there. And first round goes by. That's okay. I wasn't worried. I wasn't thinking I was going in the first round. And so they started into the second. And as you know, Boston had talked to me, and Philly, and and everything like this, and San Jose, and so that they're getting closer, and I'm getting tense. And then San Jose's coming, and I'm like, "Fuck, here we go! All right." <laughs> and they fucking pick somebody else. It's like, uh-oh. And then all of these Russians from, like, the first draft on start getting picked. And it was funny because they're announcing and they're like, you know, Montreal takes in the first round. He's got six games played. He has zero PIMs, zero points, zero assists, zero. He, yeah, fucking another Russian. Right? Like, they, everybody got drafted, all the Russians. So everybody threw their list out and started panicking. Yeah. So, okay, not panic. Second round third round fourth round fifth round holy shit now i'm actually just mad my agent comes over and he's like pass i'm like get the fuck out of here like i'm not talking to you right (laughs) so then it's it's dinner break so i just throw in a big fat chew because i'm fucking grumpy throw in a big fat chew and i'm just sitting there having my chew telling my family to stay away from me and I remember one of the Boston scouts comes up to me. He's like, pass. He's like, I think we're going to take you in the next round. I'm like, I don't give a flying fuck what you do in the next round. <laughs> like, fuck you. Yeah. I don't care. I'm done. So so the only, so we go through the whole thing. I sit there with a the chew in. They keep driving. So it's basically me and a janitor left, right, in the entire building. Because it's the ninth fucking round now. They've drafted everybody. And people in the ninth round aren't supposed to be there anyway. <laughs> so I think they drove. It was funny because the only team that summer, Quebec had come to me and they said, you know what? We have a ton of goalies. If you're still around in the ninth round, they said, we'll take you. They were the only ones that actually held their uh, held to their word. But, yeah, it was literally like me and a janitor left in Montreal and that was it. So. Oh I, I tell I tell kids now unless you actually have a contract signed, don't go go to the draft. It just breaks your heart. Oh, yeah, no. that would be tough. That would be tough. But it but you know what? It goes from the worst day of your life like that. It, that was the longest day of my life. Like because every draft pick, you get excited, get let down. Get excited, get let down. Yeah. But then when it actually is your name, you kind of forgot about the last eight hours you've been sitting there getting shit on. Right, because you did it. Because you got yeah. drafted. No matter <laughs> you what. finally got drafted. Yeah. I and didn't you know that was just a long. <laughs> What's that? Did you spit that chew out after that? We're like, yeah, I did it. Oh yeah, it was a. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think that went over well with Boston. I think they might have felt felt a little um, dissed. No, you know, honestly, looking at that draft too, like it was a pretty, you know, a lot of rounds. They don't have these rounds, but you know, Anson Carter went there. Nikolai Happy Bulin, you actually went. Uh, over like you went first before Nikolai Happy Bullen, so that's not a big deal. Pretty decent right there. Uh, but you got that draft overall that year. You're right. That's the year that Darren McCarty went to in the second round. Brent Gretzky went in the third round that year with Tampa Bay. Legendary Gretzky. You know him and his brother had the most combined points in history in the National Hockey League. Jokes aside, but that's also another draft that Aaron Gavey uh, went. Uh, Brooksy, uh, obviously some local shout out there, and Jeff Toms. You know, that the 92 draft uh, was a long draft, a lot of connections in the Sioux and just 
overall with a lot of good talent that was in there. And even I think that's the year Kurt Mulpey went too. So despite that you did go in the ninth round, you should have went higher, but you went in a draft that seems like it was actually pretty deep. And Quebec took a lot of guys uh, that are known named guys like yourself and also Anson Carter. Uh, and like overall, they, being in Quebec that is now Colorado, uh, you know, that that's also another fan base that's starving to have a team back. But I don't know if that will ever happen overall but you know what that is a very good draft story steve i'll give you that i know what i like about that the most is you had a lot of detail into it okay that's (laughs) (laughs) throwing the chew in there is the funniest part for sure (laughs) just to make my mom proud yes (laughs) now brooksy um you know we're going to kind of go back and forth here uh, brooksy uh, with some nhl uh, or sorry steve but myself and brooksy are going to bring up some nhl times with other teams that you've had and then i know brooksy definitely wants to go into some european discussion because there's some a connection there especially with the two of you uh so getting into the national hockey league though going back that way fast forwarding we talked briefly about your rejoining in edmonton and then after edmonton you go to chicago uh you you got the bill masterton nomination you had a solid year as a backup with chicago 24 games uh 2.72 goals against average yes i got that written down speaking of research in between that you got time in la you have time again in chicago you know it seems like obviously your imprint was definitely when you played with chicago a team at that time that was not where it was right and you did play though with dougie gilmore uh we actually had a son-in-law in our show actually evan mcgrath but you know it's tony amante there was a lot of good talent on chicago it just didn't really translate on the ice as much in that first year in 99,000 and just continuing with Chicago. Uh, It's just a team that finally got in that dynasty in the Thames, right? But there's a fan base that you were a part of in Chicago that is diehard, original six. It seems like the best storytelling of your career was when you were in Chicago. Well, (laughs) I I love how you say the best fan base. They are now. Yeah, uh, then then the point. Chicago Wolves actually probably had more fans, eh? Fuck, you could have shot a cannon off and not hit anybody in the game, <laughs> some of the games we played. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. That like, it amazing. was, it, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the same. I, I like to say that the, the Blackhawks still owe me a ring because if it wasn't for us, our teams being so shitty, they never would have got Taves, Right. They never yeah. would have got Kane. They never would have had Duncan Keith or Seabrook <laughs> or any of those guys. They wouldn't have had them if it wasn't for us leading the way, <laughs> being so shitty for them to get good draft picks. Yeah. Friggin there, there's a big a guy that I met actually a couple times, Steve Sullivan. There's another guy who's a small oh, guy. Sully's a great guy. Great, literally, honestly, I remember him as a, I don't, well, as a kid, no, I didn't meet him when he was with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, but I had the opportunity where he came to the Sioux, and uh, when I was younger, when he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I had a tour of the Leaf Room, and he was one of the first guys to put his arm around me, his little guy, said, come with me, buddy, you know, and it just seemed like such a great guy overall, and you know what, there, there's a guy who was quote-unquote small, or was even quoted too small back then, especially, where it seems like if you're smaller now, it doesn't really matter, but we talk about even guys you had the chance to play with on Chicago, Bob Probert, 
right? The, there's a legend, right? Like it seems like there's a lot of storytelling that is available for uh, this in Chicago. So what kind of stories can you provide us with with Chicago where memories that really stand out for you uh, there, especially since you had Dennis Savard as a – Besides no fans being in there. Besides no fans. <laughs> well, it, it used to be a lot of fun when, uh, when Detroit used to come because that was the only time that we had a sold-out barn. But they, but it was all Detroit fans, right? Because they couldn't get tickets back and, you know, playing in Little Caesar Arena there. Yeah. Um, so they would actually do do the four hour drive to Chicago to come watch there. Um, so that was the most fun when they came to town. But we did. You know what? I had I played with some great guys in Chicago. It was a great experience for me um, being there. You know, I got to play Wendell Clark and Gilmore yes, and, yeah. and, you know, and Proby and Amonte and Jamnoff and Sully. Um, you know, a lot of guys, uh, Tebow, I got to be, Tebow and I were um, a tandem there for, you know, my entire tenure there. Um, yeah, just, and the organization, like the Blackhawks organization, I would say we were on the bottom end of the, the dip there uh in their their, their franchise um maybe that's why i made the team i'm not sure but it was uh you know to live in chicago there and play there again with with some legends was was pretty awesome yeah chicago's been they, well they they say you, you know when you're uh, a backup goaltender in the nhl it's one of the toughest positions to be to be in and i just want to talk about you know, the mental pressure that was on you being a backup goalie there in Chicago, you know, you know, did you get have nerves when you got the call to go in? Uh, did you have to stay ready or were you just calm, cool, collective? And it's just like, here we go. Were you one of those guys or were you someone that was just he thinking about it all the time? Like that guy. He no, I, fuck, I could pick you out the best looking girl in the stands. Uh, <laughs> I could, I could sing every song. Uh, I, I didn't get nervous. The, the, the shitty thing about being a backup is they expect you to sit there, you know, for two, three weeks, not see a game. And then they give you a pat on the ass and they're like, okay, go win us one. And you're like, yeah. holy, how about just try not to make it look embarrassing? Yeah. You know, it's, and, and, and you always have that back of your mind. You know, that if you have a rough game or you let in a bad goal, like you're, you're literally always worried about your job. Um, but actually once for me, once I got on the ice, nah, there was no nerves. It was a ton of fun playing in front of the fans and, uh, you know, joking around with the fans and especially yeah. when you're in the opposing rank, uh, you know, joking with them cause they get all fired up. And if you, if you didn't get fired up, fuck it, embarrassed them even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And plus you're playing in the NHL. You know you I mean, you can't that, beat that. Were you there that game that Steve Sullivan got mocked by that fan or something? Was that were you in Colorado? There? Yeah, was that you were there? That were you yeah, there? That absolutely, point? yeah. That oh. was funny as shit. Oh, gotta, no, that's hilarious. You get, that must have been a discussion after the game in the locker room about that. Oh, uh, I was it might not have been in the locker room. There might have been beers <laughs> afterwards talking about it, but it was it was pretty funny because the guy was just all fired up and then. Then for him to get split open, um, and Sully's not really a guy that gets all that fired up. He's he's pretty even keel, like he's competitive, but uh, in a good way. And uh, so when that guy got split open, that was beautiful. 
Beautiful. <laughs> Carp, I, you know what? And, and the fans, but the fans are funny because they, they feel like they paid their money, and they did, and they can do whatever they want. But I, I remember I got busted on TSN one time, and uh, we were in St. Louis, and there was this guy behind my net, and every time the whistle blew – so I – I notoriously got known for every time the whistle went, I took my mask off and it was just, I hated breathing inside that thing. Everybody thinks that it was, uh, you know, a look and see me, but everybody else that knows my face knows that's not the point. Um, you know, so I'd take my mask off and this guy, I'd be getting a drink and this guy would just be red in the face screaming. He's like, you suck. Fuck you, you piece of shit. And I would just kind of smile and laugh and, and he's telling me what a piece of shit I am. So they came down. They're on a two-on-one. And the pass goes from my right to my left. I go across full splits, one-timer, make a big glove save. And, of course, we go to commercial break after that. So I go back, grab a drink, and I look at this guy, and he's yelling at me. And I just look at him like, how'd you like that one? I'm like, that was pretty fucking good. And, and I didn't know that TSN actually had, like, the ISO cam on my face. And you can actually lip read everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, my best. buddy told me after, I'm like, ah, shit, kind of got busted there. I'm supposed to be serious out on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, folks. Not today. No. <laughs> they, uh, so after, you know, 2003, four, you spent uh, with the Blackhawks, you got nine games. And then the following season, uh, you decide to head over to Europe. And I'm just curious, you know, what made you decide, uh, you know, to head over the pond, you know, uh, especially after being up in the NHL? Um, the lockout. Just time? Was it, oh, it was the lockout? That's when you decided to go over? And, you gotta get and how was your experience? Your, you got to get better at your uh, stats doing, too. Yeah, that yeah. was the lockout. <laughs> yeah, no, that absolutely was, I do. That is a nope. lot of year, but you did stay over there after even with a uh, Monningham. There you go, Brooksy. I got the name right. Yeah. <laughs> you know that like you had the lock out there, but you did in you, where? Uh, yeah, it's Mannheim. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh, I almost got it. Oh, okay. uh, Dave. That's no, great. so I went o- I went over there for the lockout um, because I wasn't going to sit on the couch and I didn't make great money like everybody else, so I needed to get paid. So I went over to Mannheim and uh, played there. Uh, we ended up fin- finishing second in the league. Uh, my goaltending partner asked, actually was Cristobal Huey. Yeah. Um, and, and so we had a good team. We were like Mannheim was the team with all the money. So every, every German player that was NHL player was over there uh, playing for them. Um, and then I tried to come back. I actually signed the next year with, uh, with Phoenix and how to deal with them and they kind of um i'm gonna say they reneged on what their on their uh their agreement with me and uh and then so about november i went back over because i wasn't going to play in the minors anymore and i went back over to uh to helsinki there and played in the sm liga yeah how was your experience over there did you uh you know did you really enjoy uh being over in europe because i know myself when i went over i absolutely loved it i loved you know, less games, the road trips weren't bad. It was just, a, it was such a great experience for me. Um, I, I loved the lifestyle. I loved playing over there. Um, unfortunately for me, I couldn't really get into the hockey part of it. I, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not blaming anybody but myself. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't get overly excited to play. 
Um, I don't know whether like the fans were great. They were chanting yeah. and singing and hammering. Oh like, yeah, it's a great place to put like to play. Like, and, like uh, the atmosphere the was amazing. Yeah. I just I couldn't bring my game back to where it should be, and uh, so you know I I would say I kind of let the teams down over there because I wasn't uh, I I don't think I was in, as engaged as I should have been. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not but alone I love there. There's a lot there. of guys that wicked. do that. There's a lot of guys that that you know felt the same way as you you kind they kind of just feel defeated sometimes and uh you know are trying to figure out what's going to happen and uh but yeah like the experience in europe for me like i spent 13 years over there and uh, i loved every minute of it uh you know it uh especially being a forward being a skater what's that your dancing videos prove that Uh, oh yeah absolutely you gotta (laughs) do hey it's everything's for the fans over there you know Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, but the, like like I said, the 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 atmosphere there was fantastic. The off ice, like living in in uh, in the different cities and experiencing different cultures, like it was amazing. It really was. I enjoyed it. And I ultimately retired due to injury, not due to I didn't want to keep playing anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have your time when you're in Finland and then even that you had Austria and Italy. Like if you had to really pick a spot. You know, I've heard nothing but comments about Italy. I know Switzerland's another league that we, myself and Brooksy, have friends that are into right now. And, you know, but obviously between Germany and Italy, would that be fair? I only had a couple games in Italy, but I know Italy always has the the beautiful sightseeing and everything. But I'm not sure if that's what you did when you were down there after or before games. But what did, what between those four experiences, is there one that stands out? And it's like, you know what, if I had to redo it, I would go back there. Um, well, actually, the funny part about me heading to Italy is um, I was in Graz, Austria before that, and we were out of the playoffs, and Italy actually bought me off of Graz. Um, I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. Um, <laughs> so they came, Graz came to me, and they said, Italy's uh, willing to, like, this team in, in Milan wants to buy you for the playoffs, and uh, they're willing to pay your your contract out. And I'm like, no, you're not negotiating for me. I'll fucking negotiate. <laughs> so, so I went and negotiated my own new contract with Milan. And so the reason I only played two games is uh, they were at the end of their regular season. And I had to play in a regular season game to play in the playoffs. And so I played, I think I was there, I think I played... They've got me on the list of two. I think I backed up one and I played one. And then we got into playoffs after that. And uh, and we ended up losing out in the finals there as well. That's wild. You know what? You have, like you like we've said from the top of the show, we have a lot, had a lot of experience in junior, the NHL, AHL, East Coast. And despite you know, the different leagues in Europe, it's, you've had that chance to play, right? And then after that, and after the 06, 07 season, that was the conclusion of your hockey career. Now we know what you're doing uh, after your hockey career, Steve. And that now getting to more of our kind of conclusion side, uh, I want to get to, uh, we have two bonus questions, myself and Brooksy, so 12, two <laughs> questions. Uh, and the bonus questions are ones that, uh, Brooksy kind of goes, 
uh, on a, a good route. He gets a lot of, let's say, reaction with his uh, personal question per se. I always choose a different one per episode because I want to try to compete with Brooksy's good corny question, if you will, and that's another jab at Brooksy. But nonetheless, I'm going to go first with the question. And the one that I'm going to ask you is, if who was one shooter in the NHL, so besides junior or anything else, just the NHL, that you would say, fuck, when they were coming in on a breakaway, coming down the wing, odd man rush or anything of such, if you're, you're in the net, the last guy that you want to see in your vision. Oh, does it have to be one or can I give a couple of reasons and, and, and a couple people? I'm down for a couple of reasons, a couple of people, you go nuts. <laughs> okay. Um, Al McInnes, uh, for one, because that just fucking hurts. Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> when he wound up, all you're thinking is missing it, missing it, missing it, missing it. Um, literally, like, that just, that left a mark. I don't care if it hit you in the middle of the pad. It it, it was, they. you know the difference? They say there's a difference between a, a hard shot and a heavy shot. His is just a fucking, it hurt. That was it. Um, so that would be one of them. Um, Mark Recchi was always one that I hated facing. Um, cause Mark, like you guys know, he's, he, he had a decent career. Uh, he's built like a fire hydrant. His, his, his actual stride, I think is three inches long, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. he used to come down and he'd take those choppy, shitty little strides. And then all of a sudden you'd look behind you and the puck was behind you and you didn't even know he had released it. Like it was, it was the weirdest thing. He would almost shoot off his feet. And, and I think he mesmerized you with that shitty little choppy stride and it'd be behind you. It, that used to drive me nuts. Um, so that's two. And the other one, um, I had a, had a good, so I, uh, Joe Sackick. Um, was another another guy that is kind of known for his release. And uh, we had a funny little, uh, we were in Colorado and um, he had already, I think we were in the second period. He already sniped two on me. Uh, so obviously I didn't like facing him. Um, and I remember he had the puck in the corner and I was kind of cheating to the pass. And he fires a shot from the goal line that I have to actually get up and squeeze it between like myself and the post so he doesn't get his hat trick. And he skates behind the net. And I'm just like, fuck you, Sachs. I'm like, if you score that, I'm in the fucking minors tomorrow. Like, way to try and end my career, you dick. You're the second guy to say Joe Sackick, actually. I know Jason Bacashawa Brooksy was one that said Joe Sackick as well. Yeah, for sure. And it was, it's that, it was, it's that release. It's that damn it's release. release. He couldn't it's, like it wasn't it wasn't ripping by uh, uh, so fast it left smoke rings, but uh, but it was just before you knew it you were pulling it out of the net and you didn't even realize he shot yet. So those are those are probably three for sure. Yeah, wow. are, yeah, three three good ones right there. I, I couldn't legit. imagine if I, I don't think it, I couldn't imagine if an Al McKenna slap shot nowadays with the technology of the oh. sticks. <laughs> Shea no, Weber, would, basically. Shea right. Weber. No, is that not fair to say almost Shea Weber? Oh, maybe I think maybe even more. It's just uh, you know what I mean. Back then, like think you're about going, the stick yeah, that you're he used. You're getting a hundred mile an hour plus with a fucking shitty wooden stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what? I can't imagine what it would be. There was one thing I want to say, and this could be a quick thing, Brooks. I kind of jumping in on one more little thing that I wanted to ask Steve. Of course you are. Of course you are. 
You know, there's a lot, and, I'll, and I know Steve can answer this one quickly so we can go to your uh, bonus question before we conclude. The one that, thing that I wanted to ask you, Steve, was actually a bit earlier when you came out and you were saying, you know, the brawl, we were talking about brawls. Today, hockey, obviously going out and hitting a goalie is not a thing. We don't like to see that. But <laughs> what's your take as a goalie? If you go around and play the puck or play it outside of your net, do you think it should be fair game where somebody should be able to not rock you, okay, but hit you off the puck as a goalie, or do you think it should still be a no touch zone as goaltenders? Two part answer. Um, yeah. One, get rid of that fucking trapezoid because that's brutal. Yeah. Um, like that, like that drives me nuts because you're taking away a legit skill. I, I, I pride myself on the fact that I could play the puck really well when I played. And that was a skill that put me ahead of other goalies um, sort of in, in the same category. If that was one more thing that you brought to the table, well, you jumped ahead of them on the list, right? Yeah. So that trapezoid, I, I think is brutal. That's like saying you, a defenseman can only use his backhand. Yeah. I, I, I don't get that. Why they, I, I get why they brought it in because they thought it would speed the game up. But to me, you're legitimately taking a skill away. So that's my that's my goaltender union rant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if they can be fair game, um, but I definitely don't think that they should be off limits either. Like I'm, you know, I, I don't know if you should be able to run them from the blue line and and <laughs> put them through the wall. No, oh, no, no, no. But but I definitely think that. You, you got to a lot of times you you see guys, they're not trying to rock them. They're just trying to take the puck off them. Um, you know, that's like playing dodgeball with your little sister and not being able to fucking hit her. <laughs> that's a great example. Right. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you got to you got to be able you, to. You want to you want to, but you can't. <laughs> I know. And, but, but I think you should be able to try and take the puck off. Them. Like I said, maybe not send them flying, but uh, but I think they should be. You, you shouldn't get the cheap penalty for, you know, just a little rub. Rubbing is racing. Yep. Like well, that. I'm going to change. I'm going to change my bonus question, actually, because, you know, we talked a you're lot actually about allowed it. Two, you're allowed two now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I just want one. It's uh, what made you what made you decide to become a goaltender? Because, you know, I mean, it's not something as a kid you think, all right, I'm going to be a goalie. You know what I mean? It's, it's usually a strange yeah, story of how it happened. So I, I'm just curious, you know, what what uh, got you into being a goalie? Was there an influence of someone that uh, you know made you uh, want to be a goaltender? So, uh, yes, yeah, sort of. It's it's again, it's not the short answer because you guys know me well enough right now that nothing I do is a short answer. Um, so first off, first off, my my grandmother um, on our farm used to take me out and put me in net when I was like three years old. Uh, she was the one that taught me how to skate too. But when I was three years old and she used to shoot pucks at me and uh, I don't know if that's because she didn't like me or, <laughs> or what, but, but that was, that was sort of my introduction to being a goalie. And then um, my first year playing hockey, I, uh, I just, I loved the, you know what? I love the whole game resting on you. You were either the hero or the bum. And, and I really, really wanted that. It's, it's, you're going to be the, the make or break. Either your team's going to fucking win or you're going to lose. And it's probably going to be because of you. And, and so I think I've got that mentality 
that uh, you like you know, the pressure. Yeah, bring it on. I'll take it. Well, I, it might yeah. not work out every time, but I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a gamer, a gamer. I love it. Yeah. Either that or just really not that fucking bright. <laughs> we'll go with both. <laughs> <laughs> Always said that goalies were a weird breed, but you know what? You're certainly not a weird breed. You're certainly uh, funny to talk to, and you're social. Probably the more one of the more social goaltenders uh, that uh, that we certainly have on the show. And that's no offense to Cash or anything of such that we have had on the show, but you know what? Uh, Cash can suck it. <laughs> I, I've been I've been told, like I said, I'm I'm quote unquote one of the most normal goalies. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a a good thing or a bad, but uh, I wasn't really superstitious. I wasn't the guy that you know you couldn't talk to. Um, I was probably one of the most talkative guys in the room. So I'll I'll say that is uh, I take the non-normal goalie. I like that. See, that's the best way to put. It. That's a tap on the shoulder. I or sorry, tap on the pad. Let's go with that pun. <laughs> you will. Now, get into, get into our conclusion here, and uh, Brooks, we'll go back and forth here before we go over to to Steve. Uh, Steve, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time. I know we had to discuss a little schedule conflict, if you will, all the time. We had to reschedule and push. So I appreciate your patience from your end with that. But we're very happy that we're able to schedule you. Have you on? It's been an absolute fucking blast uh, learning about everything. Uh, obviously, your perseverance as a goaltender has been evident. You had a great career especially going right back to what we said from the start when you have to have a size 10 font on uh, on hockey db it's impressive nonetheless and you know what you you certainly experienced it as a player and you're doing well off the ice as well so you know it's been great to have you on overall and it's certainly fun chatting with you brooksy yeah i just want to say thank you steve it's great to hear about your career and uh, i appreciate you taking the time and uh Hopefully we stay in touch and uh, we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, feel free to, to tag me in whatever. I'm not the uh, the biggest social media guy out there, but uh, I obviously have it. Uh, I've got it for my business life as well as my personal life. But feel free to tag me. Um, I never back down from talking to anybody or, or you know, fans or anybody reaches out. So more than more the merrier. Love that. Awesome. And you know what? It's uh, as I said from the top, it's been overall great talking to you. And again, I want to say thank you to Steve, to Brooksy, to everyone apart with the Game Entertainment and Media and the Game Sports Show uh, family. Make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms. Make sure to check out the website, thegamesportshow.com, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Podtail, podcast platforms. We're all over the place. Make sure you keep in touch with the Game Sports Show and overall the game entertainment and media and i'm here to remind you as well to keep your stick on the ice swing your bats catch your touchdowns drain your threes and shoot your shots booyah